Hello and welcome to the Ski Racing Podcast with me, Ed Drake. Marcel is here yet again. Uh, ben Clark is not here because he's still on holiday. He's jet-setting around still, so he's been replaced by a better stat man, the guy with the finger on the pulse of ski racing. It is a Mr. Paul Telling of uh, Team Evolution fame. Uh, Paul, thank you and welcome. Uh, nice to see you. I haven't seen you for ages. How are you, mate? I'm good. I'm good. Thank you, Ed. That was a that was a very kind introduction. Maybe overselling me, and uh, probably the nicest thing you've ever said about me. So, yeah, very appreciative of that. Thank you very You're much. Welcome. You're welcome. Just you know, keeping up my nice guy image. You know, good, good. Um, I'd like to think I'll do a better job than than Ben. Um, but we'll we'll see. Obviously. I mean, Ben picked Charlie Raposo for both races in <laughs> League this week. So, uh, <laughs> so you probably all know more than that, the fact that Raposo wouldn't have got to ski in a girls' race. Yeah. Well, who knows? <laughs> uh, Paul, whereabouts in the world are you? What have you been up to? Um, I'm in Val Somales at the moment, Italy. Um, actually, obviously, like you guys know, pretty close to the Austrian border um on a on a training camp with some of the the british phys athletes and a couple of the europa cup boys ski at the evolution academy uh we've been here for a week or so kind of tying in a little bit with with the prep period for for solden for alex tilly um prior to that we're in we're in kitsteinhorn and hintertux for the weeks prior to that on a on a slalom block um and before that we were doing one of our many summer weeks in the indoor slope in pier um, with the glaciers obviously still taking a bit of a hit this summer, we seem to have done a large a large chunk of indoor training a la Dave riding. So um, it's nice to be back outside, even though even though it's raining in Val Snarlas at the moment, it is it's nice to be back in the mountains. Yeah, I hear you're going to have to have your snorkels ready for the next few days by the look of it. Yeah, yeah an, awful lot of, an awful lot of water now. You know what they say, if it's raining here, it's snowing somewhere. Um, so I don't know where, I don't know where it's certainly not here. <laughs> um, but yeah, so we, we'll, let's get back to the world cup racing, real, uh, disappointment from the women's side of things with no race canceled. So, uh, Paul, you were due to be on the ground with Alex Tilly there, weren't you? And, uh, yeah, gutted for us ski racing fans, but obviously with you being a bit closer to, to Alex and the program that she's on, she must be pretty, um, yeah, a bit annoyed, a bit gutted. Yeah, I think I think she's um, she's obviously disappointed because she was fired up and ready to race. Obviously missed the tail end of last season uh, with injury. Obviously start of last year was was brilliant in Solden last year with a career best result in Solden, and then was looking good going into the parallel races um, and suffered that broken ankle. And then there was a long recovery period um, through to the Olympics to to try and be fit again for the games, which she just about managed yeah. to. Yeah, just about managed to make it to the games, and then as soon as the games were over, the decision was to to go back into the operating theatre to get the metal out of the ankle that had been kind of holding the ankle together, and then miss the end of the end of the World Cup season, obviously post post operation. So she hasn't she hasn't raced since the Olympics, and she hasn't raced properly. I guess know, since I would be sold in last year. Yeah, I guess it's one of those things with with injury, like anybody with any injury, you're you know, you're trying to get back into for a specific date, whether it's the start of the season or this race or that race or whatever. And obviously for you guys, it was the Olympic Games. So was, I, I guess it was sort of a condensed rehab. And then obviously 
once the games were done and you guys had got there and, you, and you'd managed to compete, it was sort of then go, right, hang on a second, let's not get too, you know, let, let's get back. The ankle's not quite right. Let's get this metal out and then sort of crack on again. Yeah, after that. exactly. I mean, Alex, Noel, uh, one of the physios that she was working with from, the, from Team GB, from the BOA, worked tremendously hard in the lead up to the games just to try and basically make her pain free and able to ski. And even, um, as I'm sure people know, even in the lead up to the games and, and at the game itself, she was in a lot of pain and, and limited the amount of training runs she could do before she had to have rest days or, or, or to control the pain within the ankle. Not necessarily from the injury itself, but just from having metal in there and, and having... You know, it, it limits anyone who's been injured and had metal work in the leg knows how much it, it limits your range of motion and how much, how uncomfortable and unnatural it feels. And so it was certainly a very um, condensed rehab period and, and much more about pain management and being able to get back on skis to to get to the games and be able to be on skis than it was um than it was about, you know, really, really getting through that rehab process. So once the games were over and it was clear that, that there was still a lot of pain there and it couldn't really be managed without taking the metal out, it was a pretty straightforward and easy decision to go back into surgery as soon as possible, get the metal out, and then you can start training as soon as possible. So obviously there was a, you know, there's a period where you're inactive through the, through March, April, May time for Alex, um, you know, where, where you lose some, some of your physical conditioning. And then from, from May onwards, her and Noel have been, working working really hard through the summer months um to get back into shape and then back onto skis in in the summer and and back up to speed um and, and i've got to say like the physical condition she was in in may compared to the physical conditioning in september with, with chalk and cheese by the time we got to september she looked she looked in great shape and and the same being on skis you know when she first got on skis this summer she was rusty and and by the end of the summer you know, I'm sure you will have seen some of the videos in October. She was she was flying. She looked she looked great in the kind of weeks leading up to Solden. So she's she'll be disappointed that she didn't get to race. Obviously, all the girls on the World Cup circuit were disappointed. They all want to race. That's what everyone's in the sport for. So I'm sure there'll be a lot of disappointment. But certainly from Alex's side, I know she'll be looking forward to the parallels in Lech. That's one of her strong disciplines. There's a place that she loves racing where she's where she's typically done well. So it's only a couple of weeks wait now, and she'll be. <clears throat> have you guys had any comparison to other races this year in uh in in parallel or in, in, in the in general in like gs maybe yeah maybe. i mean through the summer as as is always the case there's been um there's been days where you train with 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 others with slovenians with the polish with the austrians with the swiss swedish um and yeah like i say towards the end of the summer and she was winning she right, let, let oh. me let me actually let me cut to the point because i was like I wanted to ask who is in good form because I need to have my predictions for the next couple of races. That's <laughs> I, I don't want to. I don't want to tell you. As far as I'm aware, I'm top of the leaderboard, so I bet Odomat in the men's and the so women's did I. So I, I'm not giving anything away as to who looks good on the women's. It's, you know? it's got to be. It's got to bear about the predictions. Though. Um I've I've got to quickly say a, ma- a massive shout out to Gareth Harvey he sent me through the stats. So it's his. It's his doing that we're on this uh, Google Docs, and he's made it a hell of a lot easier for me. Uh, to keep up with everything and it means that I don't have to count very much so uh, which is obviously good (laughs) which is good for everybody Um, but he's also sent me through a load of stats so he said uh, a stats update 72.9% of people picked Odomat 
Henrik Christophson and, Luke and, and Lucas Broughton were the uh, second most popular. They both had 6.8%. Uh, out of the over 100 picks, uh, Ed was the only person who chose Atlee Lee McGrath. <laughs> <laughs> And you do you know what? I was actually feeling extra. pretty smug. I was actually right. feeling pretty smug about that after the first run. I was like, he's gonna, he's gonna turn it on because he looked, he looked a bit casual on that first round. I was like, right, he's gonna turn this on in the second run. Um, in the women's side, obviously that didn't that didn't count. Forty-seven and a half percent of people opted for Schifrin. Twenty-two percent went for Hector. Nine point three went for Vlahova. Uh, and despite the reigning uh, GS World Cup champion. Um, of Tessa Worley, only four percent of people picked her, and that's Ben. Um, literally, that's Ben. No, that's no. one person. No, ben no, no. At every race. Tessa no, because no, Ben uh, and the prize for most optimistic pick was um, Charlie Raposo for the. Oh yeah, true. Race. <laughs> did, um, did no one go for on your on, on ski racing podcast predictions? There, did no one go for Brignoni? That's where I'd where I'd bet on our um, our inter club sweepstake that we have within Evolution, our little sweepstake for each race. I'd. I'd gone with Brignoni for the win. Do you know what I have you seen her ski this year? Yeah, a little bit. Doing well? Yeah, I mean, you know, she's that kind of skier that's that's always very, very aggressive and and on the limit. You know, in when you're looking at technical training runs, she's never gonna look as as pinpoint and nice and clean as maybe Michaela or someone like that. But she looked fast and fired up to race, and I think she's so good that yeah. Especially in Solden, she can always she can always charge. So that's where my, my we had bet. a few. We had a few. We had a few. Uh, Craig Robinson was one. Uh, Alex, who doesn't give their surname, Alex just uh, he they went for, and I don't even know if that's a, a man or a woman. Alex went for Brignoni. Cat uh, Bowen, yeah, a few people, Paul, but not that not that many. Really, that's yeah, a, surprise. a few Lara Goots. What was your target for for Solden for Alex? Um. To, to be honest, I feel like she can ski in, in that top 15 when she skis well and she skis yeah. fast. Yeah, We, we all know that, that she's capable of that. I think that given the injury and the timeout of racing, if she'd gone top top 20, we would have been we would have been happy with that. And that's not, you know, that's not any disrespect to her or to her ability. I think it would have been nice just to having not raced for for almost a year be nice get one to, on the board you know, yeah exactly get one on the board and, and you know also she's starting at 34 would have been nice just to put herself back into that top top 30 group again she can't um, be too far off the 30 with wcsl even with the points freeze is she or is she no i think um and, and noel will know this for sure because this is this is noel's area obviously i'm looking over the whole the whole team and the whole program rather than alex particularly but i think when i last looked on the list she was 38 or 39 and then there's obviously schlocker's been injured unfortunately which is a massive yeah, that's a real shame, shame. Was, super um, pumped to see her get this season i though. think pro Provat was injured as well yeah um and, and there was someone else not on there so i so i think yeah I, I think on the on the start list she was around 34 35 on the point start list as well as on the bibs done on done on fist yeah. points so um, it's, it's yeah, it's not it's not many points to take her back in. I think a top twenty would be enough to take her back into the into the top thirty. Nice, nice, nice. Well, yeah, like you say, got a bit of a target for um, Lexers in a few weeks' yeah. time. Twelfth, thirteenth date for the old diaries. So um, that'll be the first race now, eh? That's the first race on the calendar with um, with the downhills cancelled. 
Well, they've only cancelled the men's downhill at the moment, uh, haven't they? Yeah. I think they're yeah, still yeah. hopeful that the rain turns to snow and fills the crevasses and also fills the snow that's lacking on the Trevinia side. So uh, they hope that, well, they're giving themselves time for it to snow, but it, it sort of seems unlikely. Well, they're desperate, aren't they? They just wanted to get those races done. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's a lot of hype going on about it, obviously. First race that's, you know, start in two different countries, new downhill to the tour. You know, they were ready for <clears throat> ready for big things. Yeah, real shame. Uh, and it won't be replaced either. I don't think they're trying to, whereas Solden obviously is going to get rescheduled at some point. Yeah. Uh, the downhills for the men currently have uh, won't be rescheduled. So that's but a bit of a shame. has got to like that. <clears throat> yeah. Yeah, for sure. Any, any yeah, tech tracer will help. Yeah, help. but should we talk about the race, the men's race? Uh, Odomat yet again absolutely dominated, really, didn't he? Took the win. Kranich was in second and third was a certain Mr. Henrik Christofferson. Uh, Paul, were you up on the hill for the, at, at all or would you? No, no, no. I was back then? in, I was in Belsnales watching it on, um, watching on TV with all the, all the regular armchair fans shouting at the screen and telling people how they should ski. And, and so on. Mark was over there. Um, my brother was over there with, yeah, uh, he was doing some stuff with the Zampers, wasn't he? Yeah. Yeah. He was over there with, um, with, with the younger Zampa, I think doing a lot of videos and filming, getting some, getting some footage. And he said it was a really good, good day, good race. Um, so he was, he was over there, but I was, I was back in Balsamalas, um, watching it on, I think watching on TV, but the snow surface looked like it, um, it held up. Okay. Especially considering the sort of the wet, the wet sort of sleet that happened so heavily for the couple of days or the day or so preceding. So yeah. thankfully they got a, it was a little bit harder, but you could certainly see that it deteriorated relatively quickly. Uh, Marcel, what was your takeaway from race one? <clears throat> I mean, I feel a bit like pressure now because there is an actual coach on this podcast. So I might not. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's, it's a loose, it's a loose term. I got yeah, to, I got, yeah, I got, that's I got a, a return to form. I got to be on my best game. That's the problem, you know. So, <laughs> no, actually, you know, I have, I have one thing that I really thought was, was interesting. When I saw Audemars in the first run, I, I didn't, I didn't believe he was Audemars. I don't know if someone else had that feeling. His he did a little bit different to normal. Completely, eh? his stances were way wider. He looked so solid, but he was still the same. He had some the same quickness, but. I thought he must have done a lot of work on that because usually he's quite narrow with his stance and like going, well, he's playing with playing with the <clears throat> with the inside ski usually way more, which he done in the second run. But I thought in the first run he was definitely working on that. And obviously, you know, when course is better shape, it's easier to do. In the second yeah. run, he fall a bit back into his old habits, which are still obviously good enough to win. Yeah, but I thought that was really interesting. Um, for one. And then, obviously, from my side, I mean, Christopher, I thought, has done really well and the skis look brilliant. They are, I think they're way different than the other ones are having at the moment. They take a lot longer to go around the corner or around the turn. Uh, which what I thought, is. Yeah, like, if, if you looked at, I, I thought when I looked at Christopher and I thought, here's skiing. You know, like, it, the skis, they don't bite quickly, but they have enormous power around the, around the turn which i thought was really interesting because i haven't seen any other and any other skis doing the same thing so that looks like what Hirscher did in his best days so i'm pretty sure there was a lot of input from him and probably his old man 
and um, I was very surprised by Kronish. I think he has done. He has. I think he has the best technique of all of them. But yeah, he's, he's done really well. It's it's a really nice looking technique. Yeah, he just looks. It just looks so nice. I mean, Pintero looked nice as well, but he was not quick. <laughs> um, <laughs> Oh, I, just, I, just, I kind of it's interesting you talk about we were talking about um you, you were saying about different feelings and stuff but you look back at Christofferson over the years and it's gone as that sort of petulant child of, of throwing tantrums and all of a sudden he's this lovable rogue like all of a sudden he's everybody's favorite you know former villain turned good uh everybody sees that. but pantero i just kind of felt sorry for the guy it just seems like last you know much like the same for odomat in terms of picked up where last season left off and it sort of it kind of looked a little bit similar it's, it, it felt or looked a little similar for him that he just you know was okay but just not anywhere near the the zip and punch that he used to have i don't know what do you reckon paul yeah, I think that's it's, it's pretty good. It's interesting, Marcel picked that up about Odomat. I, I thought the same thing on the on the first run that he was almost unrecognizable and that he looked a lot more controlled. I thought it looked a lot a lot calmer. Like in in previous years when I've watched him race, uh, I've always thought like, wow, this this guy is is pushing hard. And I don't mean on the limit like fella where it's messy. Like he's still been very accurate, but there's been a lot of a lot of adjustments from the feet, like you said, a narrower stance, coming in quite direct, moving the feet and, and going hard onto the edge. And I thought the first run almost looked calm and laid back and just, you know, yeah, this is going to be, you know, I'll just ski this to the bottom and see see how it is. I thought he looked very, very calm. Um, the interviews that he gave pre-race they were they were sort of trying to find out from him whether they thought he was i mean i don't know if you guys got them on on tv but with the, the commentary side if we get a few extra ones i'm not sure if they would have got shown i can't remember if they did but he was saying that um they were asking him trying to sort of get it out of him if he was nervous about being you know the, the icon now or the leader the leader of the pack going from the the hunter to the hunted sort of thing and he was like well do you know what he, he was like no i'm not because actually most of last season people were aiming for me anyway and you know with the olympic games and the consistency he had in his skiing he just has that sort of uh, i don't know it's wise beyond his year he just, he just seems to yeah. be able just to take it all in his stride and it doesn't it's sort of teflon it sort of bounces off of him you know like shifrin of old where you know people would say stuff and the expectation would be there and she just deliver and it seems to be exactly the same for him yeah i mean i, I certainly when, when i watched the run I wasn't sure I was going to see a green light on the first run, to be honest, because it looked so, so controlled. And I guess that's that's a lot of the time what the best skiers do is that they make it look easy. Yeah. You know, we we all know that when you're you know when you're fighting under the gate and and, and you're scrapping and people are like, wow, there's you know there's a lot of movement going on here. Oh, it must be quick. Actually, it's just expended energy. Yeah. Trying to survive, and and he looked on that first run like everything was was so easy and considering how hard that hill is you know even for the guys it's it's a real it's a real pitch he, he looked like he had a lot of time above the gate and i yeah i, th- I thought to be honest like he's over skiing this a little bit he's you know he's too high and he's he's taking this too easy um he's, he's not going in like he normally does going in hard and yeah i was i was wrong i was you know he was clearly still very very fast and especially at the bottom as well like he, he carried a lot of speed coming off of the pitch um, I don't think he was fastest on the last splits. I haven't got the splits in, in front of me. I think some of the Norwegians were very quick on the on the very bottom splits, but he, he carried so much speed off of the pitch that he was 
yeah, he was he was he was a mile ahead of everyone. Um, I think the other takeaway for me on on the whole thing was whereas the women's, you know, you spoke there about those stats that you had, the women's everyone's kind of accepting that it's not like in the past where well Schifrin's your winner and then who's going to be fighting for second and third. In the women's people are like, well, could be Hector, could be Schifrin, could be Worley, could be Brignoni, could be good. You know, there's a there's a lot of people in there in the women's that on their day can can now win races i think in the men's it very much went to form you know everyone knew that odomat was yeah was the strongest and um i don't think anyone was was backing alexi which is which is a shame and, and i think that um you know Kranjic has been on the podium four years in a row now i think in in Solden. um three years in a row four years in a row something like that so you know again to to form um and yeah, guys know that Bratton's going to be quick. Christofferson's going to be quick. So, so I think the men's, the thing that struck me in the men's was that we kind of know already who, who's whereabouts in the pecking order in the, in the men's. And, and if everyone skis to their best on any given day, we know roughly whereabouts they sit, whereas that's not so much the case in the women's. Not that we've got a race to prove that yet, but I think the women's is a lot going to be a lot closer, a lot more exciting this year. Well, I think, uh, yeah, Odom, Odomat's just proven that over the consistency you know, the only person that beat him last season in terms of that took victories was Christofferson. He, he was the only person that got a, a giant slalom World Cup win apart from uh, of, um, Odomat last season. So that consistency is just there. It just, I mean, he's got those Stokely's dialed, hasn't he? He's, he just signs a yeah. four-year contract with them and every single move, and obviously it's what you want to be doing, but every single time he did anything, the skis reacted in the way that he wanted them. And, and Marcel, that's obviously something that you hope to have all of the time, but it just it comes from trust in the team around them, doesn't it? Yeah, for sure. I mean, it's only him and Winningstad really skiing on Stuckley, right? So and, and Winningstad was quick as well, eh? He was quick as well, yeah. Um, so I mean, they they obviously do a great job there, and they have like very little races. They can really focus on like what those races need, which is a which is a huge advantage. And Hirscher had the same thing. Christopherson has now the same thing. Um, so I'm. They are all dialed in, but I do I do think it's going to be an interesting one how Christofferson's got to develop this season because he looks a lot stronger than he's done before and he has to because those skis look hard to ski on, but they are quick if you have them if you have them well, in the right line. But you can you could see like he made a couple of mistakes and it was hard for him to recover. Um, but if they're all dialed in, I think he will be a a, a proper contender. Well, for he was he was less he was at the bottom of the steep at that intermediate. He was. Uh, I think within two tenths, wasn't he? And then he talks about it between runs, how he just went too direct between uh, just coming off the steep and onto the flat, which obviously we know is super crucial that you that you nail that section. So he just, he was right up there and then lost, I think, six tenths in that final in run just by going too straight. So he obviously, I mean, like- and, and he had the same time. I think he was within a few hundredths of him on the, of Odomat on the second run. And obviously they both started at a similar point. Yeah, Christopherson was sixth and, on the after the first run so a few people different but still wasn't you know tommy ford doing that massive jump where he went early in the second run and took advantage of snow conditions which is obviously what you want to do so they went at a similar point on that second run and they were very much nip and tuck both made mistakes both made big recoveries and and i think in raw pace it's going to be a good battle but you have to say that consistency of odomat is is next level it's also very unique in Solden, you know the last the last bit of the race is so flat. And if you don't hit like the, you know, the end of the, of the steep part very well, you're not going to, 
you're not going to have a chance. And you know, like Odema is obviously a, a speed skier. He knows exactly what he needs to do there. While Christopherson is not that great in those kind of like, you know, going into the real flat bits. And, and I think that showed again. And there was one thing, actually, <clears throat> I think they should all watch live Christian Haugen in the second run because he was so bloody quick at the end. I don't know if you guys have seen this, but he was <laughs> way quicker than anyone else. I don't know what he did. Did he not make a mistake towards the bottom of the steep and he then did. and but therefore he was, was super early? But he was he was like 93 kilometers per hour compared to like 90 from the others, which is like a massive difference. Yeah. yeah. Um, I'm sure I'm sure he made I think he might have made a big mistake that just a, he, enough he did, above he did definitely make a mistake yeah maybe that, that he was able him, to but, carry the speed yeah. but it shows that you know you 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 know you can easily you can't win it on the steep but you can lose it and you can certainly if you nail that exit on the steep on the flat you know those are the 12 gates that you can't make up time if you if you bugger it at the bottom yeah um best of the was... Austrians <laughs> I don't think they were too happy 13th best of the Austrians fella yeah uh, Schwartz. 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 I don't I don't think that it was a, a very good race from them, to be honest. And they admitted that it was not good. Just like suck it up and just go ahead and try it again. But you know, I, I feel like there's I mean Feller obviously is is has always the potential to go on the podium, but it's it's tough in GS. Like there is something that looks better on the other one. And it, it's not just this year, it has before as well. Like they obviously have their some results, but I don't know. I don't know what it is. I'm no. Yeah. I'm no coach. Um, just where, uh, on the on the Austrian front, lighting. Obviously, he did his knee at the beginning of last season. Where I would have thought. I mean, I assumed that he, he was, was going to be. He's recovering, but he wasn't. He wasn't quite ready to go for it yet. Um, and, and Brent Steiner. He was injured as well, so he hurt himself his knee. But he's he will be doing the next race. But he just couldn't couldn't do this race. I don't think. And they are obviously. On paper, probably next to Felder, the best ones we have. Yeah, I mean, it's for me, it's crazy when you look at the struggles of the Austrians, and then you look at the—I don't want to say domination, but the the depth of the Norwegians to have seven, what was it seven in the top twenty after the first run, six in the top twenty in the in the end was it something like that? Or yeah. was it seven in the top thirty after the first run, six in the top twenty at the end, and that's with Kilda obviously going out like potentially would have had seven in the, in the 20. Um, and I mean, we, I've certainly from, from, from where I'm coaching, um, I've seen that group or, or, or that depth in the Europa cup for a while, just so many Norwegians in the Europa cup across all the disciplines, so strong. And, you know, it's, it's only a matter of time, obviously before some of those, those guys move through into the world cup and then they've got the, the kind of, I don't want to say veterans, but you know, they've got the more experienced guys, like I said, like life is still in there. Um, so obviously that gives them a huge amount of depth. But I mean, to have that number of guys skiing that well and that quick is just amazing. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, if, if you have a couple of good guys, like the other ones are obviously getting better. Like it, I, I remember when I came into the World Cup and we had like one, two, three for Austria. And like everyone else was like doing really well too. So it was, you know, a good team always helped in the spirit as well. And I don't think the Austrians have quite figured it out yet how to, well, I don't know, overcome maybe. I, well, I, I, say, I say it with, I, I, say I it suppose it's their own ego sometimes, you know? Yeah. And I mean, I say it knowing, knowing who, who's on this call, but I think, um, you know, sometimes Hirsch are papered over some cracks in terms of the, 
it, not just sometimes all the time the development yeah. so all of a sudden you get you know austria re- reveling in this and coaches almost able to rest on their laurels potentially because they've got marcel hirscher strapping on his skis every week i mean realistically feller and schwartz and you know the speed guy like they are all ready to win a race that's no no question about it but as you said paul like the, the depth is not there like there's some races that can maybe go top 15 like Firestone is a great skier <clears throat> really like his style yeah but other than that like it's tricky yeah uh yeah definitely is tricky uh, the americans return of tommy ford yeah that was good to see wasn't it i thought that was i thought that was really good um <clears throat> obviously like you said took advantage of that second run of the the start start number on the second run um and and made that count but but he looked he, he looked pretty error free i'd say down there and um confident and and and, and attacking and yeah, I mean that's that's what you want to see. First first race back of the season is going to be it's going to do in the world of good going into the going into the next set of races. And they've obviously got their own little group. I mean, RCS Ryan Cochrane Siegel, he was pretty close to getting a second round, starting from what was he 35, 36th? I think he missed out by only a few hundredths or yeah, tenth, maybe. Perfect. I think River River did a really nice first run, and then I think just didn't quite get the didn't quite get the balance between aggression and, and tactics quite right, and I think paid. A little was, bit for that. He was definitely over skiing in the second round. He yeah. Was, yeah. didn't quite get that balance. Do you, do you not think that the um obviously the Americans had had Ligeti as this shining light in um yeah, but those times are gone. Very, very used to no, no, like no, Ligeti, no, 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 right? no. I'm going to say like they they had Ligeti as this shining light, and a lot of kids looked at him growing up, and then that style of skiing, and obviously the skiing has has changed. But the kids who saw that when they were younger, like River, growing up, have that that model in their mind. And when I saw him skiing, I saw a lot of Ligeti in that in terms of the the size of angle he was making, especially with the hip. And same with Ford as well. Same with Tommy Ford, but he yeah. And when when I looked at the other guys, someone like Kranjec, for instance, he wasn't making those those angles that River was making. He was he was going in a lot more direct, a lot stronger, stable over the ski, rather than creating this angle and and waiting for the ski or allowing the ski to to do something more. And and I couldn't help but see a bit of Ligeti's old style within within River and and think. Is that is that what's going to win you races right now? You know, is that is that the style of skiing that's that's going to win races right now? And I don't think that it. I don't think that it is. I think it's a bit too much ligety of old that we see in those younger guys. Yeah, I thought. I mean, if you if you look at like, if you look at their skiing, and how much more they are actually skiing than others in terms yeah. of like distance, that's crazy. The best guys they like keep their skis under their under their upper body. Yeah. just quickly turn around um and that's where you that's get where you also off. get the most pressure right so if you yeah, exactly closer you stay to the fall line the easier and the, the more pressure you get and the more speed you generate and if you like leave your legs i don't know five meters on the other side it's just yeah it's not i, I totally agree with you it's not the style to win races I, so I i'm looking at i'm looking at river and i'm thinking you know that's that's the kind of stuff that looks great on a photo you know, someone's uh-huh. going to take a photo of that and sold and hip in on the snow and big angle and it looks cool. But when you ski around that much more than Kranjec or Rathen or Christofferson on the new ski, when he's when he's having to be more aggressive on it, it's I can't see that River's going to be as quick as those guys with that style of, of skiing. Yeah, I think you sometimes you see that, though, don't you, in terms of like pictures and making it be cool and dragon knucks and all that sort of stuff Like you hear all these phrases and, and, and people going for the picture, going for 
you know, it looks good on Instagram. That's the snapshot. It, I mean, we talked about it. I mean, we talked about it a bit. Well, let, let's come on to Raposo. We talked about it a bit with Raposo, didn't we? You know, he he loves that sort of inside arm drag, the knuckle drag, and it looks cool when he gets in photos. But actually, in the summer, we we talked about it last part, and we've spoken about it when we had we caught up for drinks in the summer. Like all of a sudden, he seems to have picked up that inside hand, and maybe it doesn't look quite as cool in terms of positioning, but actually you know, what's more important is about getting it done. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I, I think it's, it's also a lot, it's a lot more physical way of skiing. Like Mar- Marcel said there, like Henrik looks a lot stronger than he's, than he's done previously. Cranjet's obviously an absolute beast. Bratham is a strong guy. Oh, it's a unit. The think, guy's an absolute unit. I think to ski in that more aggressive manner, not I think I know to ski in that more aggressive manner, you have to be stronger. And one of the things I thought Charlie really did last year, did well last year, was he matured off of the slope and his physical training became less about beach body photos and more about actually what what do I need to do to have my body in the condition to ski in the way that I need to ski to be quick. And and as a result, he was he was quick. Um, and, and I think that, especially on a difficult hill like Solden, when you ski with a big angle and you come across the hill, you buy yourself more height, you buy yourself more space. It feels like you're cleaner, feels like you're more in control, but it's not always fast. Like sometimes you've got to, you've got to go a little bit deeper. You've got to go a little bit straighter. You've got to go a little bit harder and the force through your body is going to be far more intense, but that's ultimately going to be quicker if you can sustain it and make it, make it error free to the, to the bottom. Marcel with, with Solden, surely that's especially being first first World Cup of the season to find the balance and try. You know, you may have been skiing that in training. You know, you may have been doing it in the Southern Hemisphere, glaciers, whatever. But then to come in and try and do that in Solden, try and find the ideal racing line. Because obviously, you've barely done any racing. Surely that's one of the hardest places to go to try and marry that line and feel. A hundred percent. I mean, to Charlie's defence. I just mean in general, that wasn't a Charlie. No, no, but like, I'm just, just to Charlie's defense in general. I think it's quite hard to qualify for a second round in Solden. I mean, other people did it, like, I think 44 or something, and he had 52. Oh, the snow deteriorated loads. It was super hard for anybody. The problem is, and this is what I think is the problem, you know, you train on on good hills, on like easier hills, you have way better slopes, you know, there are no ruts, nothing. And then once you hit that, once you hit that steep part in Sultan, and I, that's literally what happened to him. It's like his, ski were, his skis were not bending. He was literally just falling into the ruts and his skis were not bending. You could see he was not using the power that he has or he does, don't have. I don't know, doesn't have. Um, but you, you just gotta, you just gotta push those skis way harder, even though it looks maybe that it's not possible because the slope's not great, but he's, he has to, he has two options basically. One, he either pushes his ski harder, um, works out more, I don't know, he's probably in good shape, like I'm not going to say that, or he's going to the European Cup and gets a better bib and then makes it easier for himself, you know. that's I think that's the option that he needs to do because 52 is a high bib. You've got to be somewhere between 30 and 38, potentially, because a couple of people will fall out in the, first, in the first 30 and then just be quicker than anyone else and you're in. That's the kind of stat we need 
we need Ben to tell us what the what the percentage chance of making it in from outside forty or from outside forty. Who, um, who, who went in on this on, on Solden? Alexander Steen Olsen went in, and he's obviously he won World Junior. <coughs> oh, he was ridiculously good on that first he round. Brilliant, and he looks. You know, I I saw him last year World Juniors and Europa Cup, and he looked good, but he looks a different animal this year, like, like bigger, stronger. You know, even better than he, so, than out, he previously. Outside the thirty. You had uh, Steen Olsen, you said. Kilder. Yeah, you had, yeah, Kilda, Kriegmeier, Tommy Ford, Hardelin, Livio, Simone, and that was it. But and see, I mean, this... all, of, all of those, apart from Simone, you would say, and, and Steen Olsen, okay, he's he's young and he's a new guy, and Simone's young, and, and you know. But all of the rest of those are, are legit top 30 World Cup skiers in, in their given disciplines who yeah. regularly score points. You know, you know, for them, Solden isn't isn't quite so much. And they all had bibs around, what, 32, 34, 30, 35, 36. Made it possible to go from 52 after skiing all summer, skiing well on glaciers, you know, Sasfe, pretty pretty flat, let's, let's be honest, um, without the World Cup section really, really open. It's, it's not like Solden, is it? Like even Valsenal is on the Leo slope. It's not like Solden. In fact, there's nowhere really for pre-season training that's like Solden other than Solden. Um, and there's no snow in Solden. There's a limited amount of training, hill skiing available this year on Solden. So I think like you're saying it, it's very difficult to come from skiing well in the summer, looking at video, assessing your skiing on videos. Yeah, I'm nice and clean. I'm round. I'm smooth. And then suddenly to go in with a high bib number in Solden, with deteriorating snow, with a with a with a rut line where everyone's approach to racing in Solden in order to be quick is like we've said is is to attack, is to go that little bit more aggressive, a little bit deeper, and to hit the ski hard. It, it's very difficult to then go with a later number there, not just yeah. for Charlie, but for for anyone. For, yeah, just for racers in general. Yeah, but um, also I have a question for you, Paul. It's something that I that I thought about. So the first run time was 58, I think, which 50. sounded 58, which sounded very, very quick to me. Mm. Is this like some, is this like a trend that people are trying to because the second run was 104, which sounded very quick as well in Selden. Was I don't know, was this the finish further up, the start further down? Like, because it seems to me that the course setting is really quick right now. Yeah, I, I think, and the speed was higher as well. When you see the speed coming off of the off of the pitch onto the flat, the speed was higher this year than it than it normally is. Like, what did you say? Life was like 94, 93, 95, 93, yeah. I think uh, I think Odom on one of the runs as well was was mid ninety. Like that's that's really fast coming off of the off of the pitch there. Um, I think it was it was definitely sh- a little bit straighter than it normally than it normally is. Obviously, like I said, I. The girls was was cancelled and I wasn't on actually on the hill for the men's, but but looking at it, it looked like there was it, it was an, an easier set than we would normally see there. Normally there's they really control the speed. When you come around that first corner from the start and you know you first go over, there's, there's normally a big delay, isn't there, on the right foot to come across the hill. And then as it drops over, it really swings. And and that kind of wasn't there this year. There was a lot more flow. You could keep the ski down the hill a lot more. Um I'm not sure if the finish line was moved up from where it, where it normally. I mean, shout, shout out to my mom. She was like, "It looks too easy. That is boring." <laughs> <laughs> I bet you know she she knows her stuff as we've seen from the predictions league. So <laughs> she does. She don't, has. Don't cross Mrs. Mathis. Yeah, don't cross her. Um, 
I'll tell you what, I did look at that. Uh, over the last few years, it has got gradually quicker. So I think back when Pantero last won, which was 2019, I think the first run was 106 or so it's 107. Probably, probably the time he had anyway, isn't it? Yeah, <laughs> so he's skiing the same. Uh, <laughs> oh, that's nasty, Ed. <laughs> Um, but then, uh, yeah, it's got gradually quicker. Last year, actually, there was um, one of the runs. I think the second run was pretty quick at like a one zero zero. Yeah, the first run it was it was only um, it was only Odomat that went under a minute. So, but yeah, it was definitely quicker. I, I wonder if that's slightly conditions related because with it being a little softer, I'm not sure that you want it swinging across the flat at the bottom. If it's how, how are the training runs? Do you, I mean you train next to them? Some like I guess occasionally. So are they like training? quicker runs at the moment because i i remember like people it goes through like phases where sometimes it's super straight for a season well christopherson was moaning about it wasn't he yeah yeah and we were talking about this the other day because um the first couple of days in valsonales the the world cup teams were training gs on the top slope you know when you first come out the gondola at the top and i think there was croatians slovenians italians was set there and then obviously everyone shadows so you've got 14 or 20 lanes all set with exactly the same course and just looking at it and I was saying this is you know this is like 27 meters and straight down a pitch and guys were guys were flying you know and they're, they're skiing on a longer ski as well there was a there was a good chunk of guys skiing on a 198 gs ski rather than a 193 gs ski um and so you know clearly they're they're setting the skis up for for straight knowing that they're going to have more yeah that they're going to have straighter courses and and more distance um and, and it does go it, it goes swings and roundabouts i remember one season we, we were training 23 24 meters all the time and then you know you kind of just get to hanging out and you turn up to a race and the austrians are setting 30 well, meter gs's and then then you kind of start to work towards 30 meters and it drops back down to guys setting 21s again yeah, but interestingly to jump in there sorry paul um it was that they have been yeah odomat can i mean um Christofferson complained about that. Was it in Adelboden where he was, where he really kicked off a couple of seasons ago about how it was getting straighter and straighter and straighter. And actually uh, they had been talking about it in slalom as well, hadn't they? And then Tristan Glass Davis, Dave's coach uh, in Garmisch was, it was, wasn't it? Where he set that absolute monster swinger and where Dave got on the podium and, yeah. and Dave was the only one that had trained a, 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 an offset, really offset courses. And, you know that's the way until until Kostelic is gonna set a course then yeah but do you know what I mean like that's you know that's a way to get one over on him yeah I've got the stats here from Solden they were uh, mostly 26 25 26 meters of uh, of distance and offset ranged on the steep about 10 meters to sort of four or five meters on the flat so it wasn't it's that's not much is it that's not a lot is it it really isn't but then you know who you never know. Maybe Zubchich coach gets to set in a couple of weeks' time, or Jesus, God, Lord help. And us. all of a sudden, you get a swinger, and and you know he's able to capitalize on it if everything's going. And it does seem like it's getting straighter. It definitely does, which is why they're getting away with straighter skis. And maybe Van Deer with the stiffer ski, something that they've decided is is a, an angle that they want to sort of target. Maybe with the, with the offsets of, mm. of courses. I, I'll tell you what. I've got a question for for Marcel. Obviously, I'm guessing you're still picking up a lot of the Austrian news and and um, and so on. Um, and it, I don't know how long we've got Ed on, on the pod, um, and so how much in depth we can go into this. But I 
I've well, it depends. That... I mean, we can keep going. People will just turn off. So. <laughs> I, I, I mean, they not, there's not many people anyway. listening still anyway. That's what <laughs> I, I noticed with the, with the Van Deer ski that they had it all taped up, no branding for the events. And Henrik had said something in one of the interviews afterwards about um, not using the name of the ski, not calling it a Van Deer, but just calling it the new material and not wanting to get into the politics between, between Fizz and, and the company. Um, now the the chat that I heard was around it being Van Deer Red Bull Sport, and yeah. that, that was a that that was an issue that Red Bull wasn't a, obviously an equipment manufacturer, and Fizz have certain rules and regulations. I'm sure people know about having associated companies with with skis. Like you can't have the Rosinol Porsche ski that they made for a while. You can't have that Prada snowboard that one of the guys was was using uh, for freestyle. Or the Louis Vuitton that Ed has. He yeah, goes, well, I think uh, that, was like Charlie, that was going to be Charlie's Charlie's <laughs> next race suit. Was <laughs> <laughs> I think, um, yeah, but it was in, it was interesting. No, it was, you know, you know what it is. It's the double. It's the double logo that they had. The, the double, the, the double with. logo, and the double name. Yeah, because you you would then promote Red Bull, which is not allowed. You know, you can only promote Van Deer. Yeah. I reckon if Red Bull would have a ski called Red Bull, I think that would be fine, or that should be fine. I guess, okay. and they were also. If you look at the if you look at the official results, there was no Van Deer on there. Like no. they, yeah, yeah, because yeah, it's... So that's what I was wondering. Like I, I picked up a little bit in the Austrian press, and my, my German's improving, but not not great. And I'd, I'd kind of that was how I understood it to be. Um, but I, I wonder, obviously, you know, this is a massive project for for Marcel for well for Hirscher for Van Deer for you know th this angle and the involvement of Red Bull in his skiing career was obviously always huge. You know, the support he had from Red Bull, and that was something that Henrik always had an issue with, that he couldn't get that level of support from the Norwegians because he had to deal with Telenor for his head sponsor and he couldn't be a Red Bull athlete. And obviously part of the, I'm sure, a huge part of the benefit there for Henrik is to have that level of Red Bull support with Van Deer. And I'm just wondering how that's going to, how that's going to play out if that's going to be an issue that Fizz are going to, you know, put well, I'm, I'm surprised this has even become an issue. Like someone, I don't know what happened, but someone should have checked before they started the season, right? Yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah but it, so, yeah, yeah, yes and no, but it, it was. I mean, someone should have gone to like Fizz and say, hey, we're going to call our Steve Fundy Red Bull. Like, can we do that? Yes or no? I don't know. Like, yeah, but originally maybe... it wasn't Red Bull, was it? It was Van Deer skis, and all all that marketing through the whole season. Even when the athletes were signing on, they were, they, you know, it was we knew it was Red Bull backs, but it wasn't Van Deer Red Bull. But across their social media, everywhere across their social media, it's Van Deer Red Bull. Even the website is Van Deer hyphen Red Bull. So you know, it is a collaboration, and the fact that Fizz had the issue with the two logos, and that's what they talked—they did a big press release about the fact that you can't have two. You can't have dual um, uh, companies, and also a drinks manufacturer is not allowed on skis. And it's so they, they've got to figure it out. But I was Maybe I was surprised that they didn't just have it as Van Deer because they would have known that coming in like the week or two before wouldn't have been like the case that they would have turned up in Solden and gone. What do you mean I can't have the name? Maybe on that's the skis? maybe that's part of the marketing strategy because people yeah. are talking about it, you know. Yeah, and that's what yeah, Apple maybe. does, isn't it? Yeah. Making. The marketing always the marketing machine always runs with them so yeah i mean because I'm, I'm sure that the the, the backing that they're giving here the given to the van deer project whether it's van deer or now van deer rebel sports the amount of backing going in that and the access to sports science and and you know logistical support and 
uh, and so on for Hemrick is surely that's going to be a big a big step up for him because that was always something that he craved and that he felt he couldn't get previously. Um, so, so I can't help that that's feel that that's going to give him an extra little boost this season. You know, you know, if you look at what Hemrick was doing before on the Rosinals and he was, we know he was out from the, from the, from the Norwegian team. He was very much a one man, like, like, like you said, Ed, a bit of pantomime villain off on his own, doing his own thing. And, and you look at him now and he's got, so the backing of arguably the greatest skier ever, backing him, giving him personal input. He's got the backing of you know of, of Red Bull giving him that additional support. He's got a setup specifically for him. Although I'm sure he had that at Rosenau, but even more so now. Um, I, I can't I can't help but feel that, that that's going to be the extra the extra step he needs this season. Not necessarily to challenge Odomat for the overall, but I, I think that he's going to be. In the mix, you can't, he he can't do the overall. You can't. There's no way you cannot do overall with two disciplines, and he's definitely not good enough at speed yet. Silence. I mean, <laughs> it's true. See, I don't know. I, I don't know. You know, maybe Odoma is not doing well for. I don't know. Maybe the January downhill races. You don't no. know. I know. It could be. No. <laughs> it could be. You know, Ed nice. Ed nice. There's no, there's no way you're winning in two disciplines. Look, you already had Kilda, Meyer, Kriegmeier, Paris. Yeah, exactly. But Odermatt has like, I think Odermatt has more people to beat in the in the downhill and the super G than Christophen has to beat in the slalom. I think he's gonna he's gonna be winning a couple of them. He's gonna win a couple of GSs, and Odermatt might be picking up fifth places. I mean, I like I like the fact that you're trying to keep it interesting, but you're wrong. <laughs> That's a bold prediction. Now, I think, I think you know, if you ask me at this point now, with the season just started, who who win the overall? I would say Odomat. But I mean, realistically, how many guys are skiing more than more than two disciplines? It's not like the old days where you know everyone was kind of doing everything and you yeah, know, you know, starting. Everything. insane. You can't it, do it's, that. Now. It's become a lot more specialised. Like the slalom skiers are slalom skiers, you know, and the speed skiers are speed skiers. Um, and so Odomat obviously sits in between those two groups and and he's able to win he's able to win gs's and he's able to um you know he's able to win super g's and downhill so of course he's in the strongest position out of everyone there's not anyone else i'd say maybe alexi when he's on form who can win across three disciplines or four disciplines killed it killed it you, you think you think he'll win gs i think he could i think he could pick up he i think he'll easily pick up top tens he can win gs but I'm not sure necessarily he's going to win a GS, but I, okay. he, can, he can. So I don't believe there's anyone who can win more than two disciplines other than other than Odomat and Alexi. Like I don't, I don't know. Might make myself think something different, but I think it's only those two that can win in more than two disciplines. I, I can, I can tell you one guy who could do, but he's, I don't know if he's there yet. I think Loic Miar can do it. Yeah, maybe in, in slalom GS and super G. You think? Yeah. I think he's good enough to do it. I don't know. He had a he had a rubbish last season, but yeah. Solon looked way better. He looked very with himself. Yeah, yeah. He's he should be getting lots of confidence from them. And he can easily win a slalom. Well, he's not easily, but he can win a slalom. Yeah. And he can definitely win a, a super G if it's technical and, enough. And, and you think that's what they need Ed. in order to win the overall, you need to be yeah. basically taking podiums in three disciplines. That's what you, you, you well, I'm, I'm, Taking podiums in three disciplines, I don't know, but you'd certainly need to be podiuming them in a cup in in your two chosen, whether you're a speed side or a tech. Side. I think you've definitely got to have two disciplines where you're podium, 
And then you've got to have a third discipline where you're getting top, where you, where top tens are not a surprise. And I think, I think that's the only way I can't see you doing two disciplines and picking up an overall title. I can't, I just can't do it. No, no, no I, I agree. I think it's the same. And I think that's why Odomat is, is more of a shoe in, but I do think it will be closer than maybe it's been in previous years because I expect to see Henrik out of everyone, Henrik push him, push him the furthest, especially now that a couple of the speed events have been cancelled. on yeah, the two, two less they, downhills. They've well, been missing and, yeah. and also, let, let's not forget when Odermatt was under pressure, he did crumble a tiny bit when he didn't win the overall two years ago. Yeah. I so maybe, yeah. maybe if, you know, if, if Christopherson keep the pressure up for the whole season, I think it's going to be really interesting. Oh, certainly going to be interesting. Certainly is. But yeah, anything to add, gents? Um, no, for, I, I'm I'm a little bit disappointed that the men's speed stuff's cancelled. I think that's a bit. I was really looking forward to seeing how that was on a new track. You know, it's always good, like the Olympics, when you go to a, a resort that people haven't been to before, and it's not, you know, levels of playing field a little. Yeah, exactly. It's not like a, a home hill where. You know, guys are always good in Beaver Creek who who train a lot in Beaver Creek or guys are always good in yeah. Lake Louise or, or so on. So I, I was looking forward to seeing how that went. I hope they managed to get the women's the women's races done for that. that yeah, we were gonna get we were gonna get Marcel Mathis' debut on Eurosport for that. Oh yeah. He was in. He was in for next weekend. I made the cut, but not anymore, sadly. <laughs> so he was they, they, was they don't in. know what, what they're missing out yet. They don't know yet. Don't worry. I'll, I'll be back. He'll be back. <laughs> yeah, real shame. It is a shame. Let's hope that the women's gets uh, gets through. But it's always going to be a tough one, even with even if there was enough snow high up on the glacier. There, you you're so exposed. Um, I, I do. I do have one one topic actually. I want to I want to discuss quickly with you guys. Okay. So, everyone's opinion: when to start a season? When is it right to start a season? Ed. Um. I mean, it doesn't feel like winter's here, does it? Uh, but the, originally, Octo- originally, the Soldom was all about the brands getting their new equipment out there at the start before the winter kicked off. And that was sort of the showcase for their brands, which is why Soldom was a couple of weeks before everything else. But it, it does feel like it's a bit early, but I like that it starts there, but it feels like maybe mid-November for winter. I mean, I... Um... <laughs> If it was up to me, ski racing would be year round. I love it. Like I, I, I hate it in the summer, like sitting and waiting for races to start again and seeing who's on form. Like it's you know, I I can't wait for it to start. So, so I'm always yeah. looking forward to Soldom. I'm always counting yeah, down to play for Soldom. It's it is a bit frustrating, or it has been in the past when you have Soldom and you have to wait a month. So I like the fact that they've now got the parallel in in Lek or, or that they've tried to put a speed event in there. I think it's it's difficult because it doesn't feel like it's winter. It's still definitely, you know, you have to go up in the glaciers to ski. It's green on the hillside all around Europe. Um, and it's it's not winter and it's, you know, it's not it's not ready to, to start really skiing and really racing yet. So I, I guess from a purist point of view, you should wait until the winter starts in December. But from a from a from a fan's from point a of fan view, point. yeah, you 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 want to get racing as soon as you can. I do wonder as well about, you know, the season always ends relatively early with world cup before the end of the winter yeah exactly before the end of the winter and it snows later i do i do wonder if it makes more sense that you know maybe solden is in november 
and and you know it's closer to the other to the other event the actual start of the winter and uh and then the season goes two three weeks longer into into april time um i guess you you know you're also at weather's mercy there if, if it's good and it continues to snow through april it's, it's amazing you can skin to may if it's poor and it's soft and it's slushy and you're in Kranskagora in the middle of april then no one's having having any fun so um why yeah. do you ask marcel no, just that there was a there was a debate in in Austria about it. Um, obviously, they say that Hirscher also said, and some of the Austrian ski team people said that it should just not start right now. It's well, I I, I personally think it shouldn't. Uh, I think it's not really sustainable. Paul, you're running a team. What would be if they would say, well, actually, no one's allowed to train until the first of October, and then the first race will be mid November. I think that would be fair for everyone it would save a whole lot of money for everyone and like you know in the background no one would really realize that something has changed but and then keep well, on going until and because i i personally think it's easier to do a race when it's slushy than do a race when it's when there's no snow because with slush you can always <laughs> put some salt in you have some bloody snow with with like those conditions now and i spoke to my dad he was in pit stall and he said it's bloody rubbish like he has never seen like Less snow than that. Uh, it, it, it's unbelievable on the glaciers. I, you know, I, I have to say that everywhere we've we've gone, the teams on the glaciers have done a phenomenal job to make it possible for for training. And I guess after COVID and losing a couple of years in in a lot of places, people are keen to get open and get business going and hmm. and so on. But the teams on on the glaciers in Kitschleinhorn, in Hinterturks, in Sasvay, um in, in Valsnales, they have done a phenomenal job to make areas skiable where there is almost no snow. You know, the amount of, of glacier loss that there has been this summer is, is scary. You, you yeah. go up and you look and you look at how much lift pylons have moved and how much snow level has dropped. And the pieces are in really good condition, they're in prime condition, but you look off the side of the piece and where there's normally rock covered in snow, it's just rock and stones blowing across the piece. And you look to the side of the lift line and, you know, there's big drops two meters deep where they've lost snow and they haven't got any snow to fill the gaps in with. So absolutely like conditions have not been, have not been good. This well, year. It's been really difficult for training. Yeah. Well, Marcel, maybe you'll get that. If, uh, if the glasses keep receding like they are, the only place is going to be to South America, but then also that then just also, also I can, teams. You know where it's going to be? It's going to be on the dry slope in 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 Britain. They oh, all yeah. gonna, they all going to come over here. They yeah, they're going to be they're going to be asking for our dry slope technology. Exactly. They're going to be asking for the Mister Sheen. You know, <laughs> all that. You don't even know what that is, Marcel. So, I have no idea what you're talking exactly. about. Exactly. We, we should get we should get Marcel up to you know get him up to a dry slope. We'll get we'll get him, we'll get him to Aldershot. We'll get down no, to I don't want to. I don't want to put you all to shame because I think I'm going to be a good dry slope skier, mate. I yeah. can't wait. I cannot. I cannot <laughs> wait to get you on a dry slope. I think. I think that would be a. That would be a, a podcast, but you know, maybe a maybe a vlog or something. We'll get the YouTube channel up and going again. We'll get the YouTube channel on. I think that would be. I think that would be well worth it. All right, yeah. let's do it. All right. On that note, we should probably end. I'm sure it's the only, it's only us that are still here anyway. Uh, <laughs> gents, thanks. <laughs> thanks for the time. Till next time. Bye for now.